Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Well, it's been quite the day in Flamesland today. Welcome to Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Peter Klein, Logan Gordon with you today. Uh, Peter Labardius a little bit delayed as he is getting ready for the coaches show with Jeff Ward. Uh, Obviously... A lot up in the air right now with the Calgary Flames. If you haven't been on Twitter today, A, good for you. But B, uh, Sam Bennett is a healthy scratch for the Calgary Flames this evening. That is noteworthy for a number of reasons. One, I would suggest he's nowhere near the spot of being a healthy scratch based off of that last game. And he has demanded a trade or at least requested one. So a lot of people noticing a lot of smoke and wondering if there is some fire there. There are reports that this is just a healthy scratch. There are other reports that uh, a trade could be coming. So this is uh, what we call in the biz logo, a fluid situation. Yeah, it's certainly one that's developing. And obviously this is the the place to stick to if you want news on it. This is a bit of a surprising uh, move today. But as you and me have discussed off the air uh, a little bit here as we were getting ready for Hockey Central at noon. It's one that comes with its, uh, you know, share of ideas and thoughts that come with it as to why this might be happening. Because like you said, uh, I don't think play uh, uh, as of late has been an issue for Sam. So that kind of opens up the can of worms to, to other situations. Yeah, and that is... That, that's the thing that, that I keep coming back to is that he, he's coming off of one of his better games of the year with the Flames. And to sit him down now would be, I, I think, a questionable decision. And, and I, I started out by saying that he, his play has him far away from being a healthy scratch. Realistically, he's still in that tier of guys who could be. So I, I do want to, to preface all of this. There is a very real world where this legitimately just is, hey, we haven't liked how he's played, so we're sitting him. Like that, that very much could be the case. It just seems like really weird timing. Again, well, it would be it would be weird asset management too, wouldn't it? Oh, for sure. Like, yeah, and we like we, we had that conversation you and me, and it just if you're trying to to move a guy now, isn't probably the best time to to say, yeah, you know, he look, he couldn't make our lineup because he he hasn't been playing well, but he'll fit right into yours. <laughs> I, I don't think that's a legitimate conversation that Troll Living is excited to have when you're trying to leverage the best out of somebody for a trade. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, he couldn't crack our lineup, but do you have Dominic Simone? Come on. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's the timing of it just seems weird again, coming off of his best game. And as logo says in the midst of trade negotiations with this involving this guy, it, it just does not seem like the time that he would be healthy scratched. I, I like there is a non-zero chance that it's just yeah we haven't liked how he's played, but I I, I do not believe that to be the case. Uh, we, we've kind of touched on it a little bit as we wait for uh, for Peter Labardius here today. Uh, there is a change to the Flames lineup. No Sam Bennett in his place goes Dominic Simone. The rest of the lineup uh, pretty well the same. Kachuk Lindholm, Dubé, Manjapani, Backlund, Levo, Lucic, Ryan, Nordstrom. Uh, the defensive pairings stay the same. And as I joked on Twitter, a monumental change to the lineup today. Uh, Jacob Markstrom back in goal for for David Riddick. I, I don't I don't want to get too hyperbolic with this because it's a developing situation and it's something that's been going on, but it it really does kind of get the feel like something is happening, right? Like it it just doesn't seem like something you would do and then play him again on Saturday. Like it, it 
that that is the read I get with, with no inside information on this. This is not reporting. This is all speculation. But th- this is that this has the feel of something that is coming to an end, in my opinion, with Sam Bennett and the Calgary Flames. It does. Um, it, it really does. I think that the nature of the reporting coming out Saturday, and I look, I this isn't anything against Elliot or anything like that. I think he gets the news and he reports it. But I think that uh, the way that it came out probably wasn't I think it's not a stretch to say wasn't exactly how the flames would have liked it to go and I think sometimes maybe that expedites the process one way or the other and you can think of it as a good thing or a bad thing in the end of it right if you're Darren Ferris and you're trying to expedite things for your client maybe that's the the way that you get it done right and uh, at the end of the day he does it or you know he does what is best for in his mind and his client's mind so it might, it might not be the the best way to end things. And if we do look at this as sort of the finale to things, then maybe it's not the the best way to go out. These public trade negotiations and deals like this, they, they don't always get ugly, but I don't think that they ever get public because things are going great. Um, right. So, it, you know, it's a bit of a tough one. And I, I understand and I've learned more this week, and I'm sure you have too, that, you know, there is still a strong affiliation for Sam Bennett in this city, uh, despite mm-hmm. the struggles and despite not living up to that number four overall hype, there there's still an affiliation for what he does and what he can bring. And the the postseason value is something that isn't lost on Flames fans, at least the ones that text into our station. Because every time we've had this conversation, it, it, there are people that are like, "You're nuts! You don't trade him. You're gonna miss him come the playoffs. You're gonna eat your words. All that sort of stuff." And the fact that there's just people that are willing to overlook, you know, what have been regular season struggles, there's no way to doubt that um, because of how good he's been in the playoffs just shows the, you know, the affection or the, you know, the, I I guess the taste that there's still more for this guy to give up and fans aren't ready to give up on him, uh, even if they're, you know, this is actually the time when it does come to an end PK. Yeah. And to, to your point, like, he he could do one thing well and for some fans that would carry him for like six weeks and uh, look he is a, a tantalizing player to to fall in love with right because he plays the game in the way that a lot of fans specifically in this fan base want to see the game played when he's going well he's crashing he's banging he's going to those dirty areas that we all talk about he has shown at least flashes of high-level skill at times. And so when it's going well, that can be extremely, extremely intoxicating from a, a fan perspective. Um, the, the problem that I have is that you you just don't see it enough. And, and that's where my frustration with the guy has been. Um, it, it is... It, it is frustrating at times. And it is a little bit where... <laughs> You just wish you could put it all together. But then when he does put it all together, it does seem to be at the most important time of the year. So it has always been a tricky balance with the Sam Bennett situation with the Calgary Flames potentially coming to a head today. Uh, again, the big news is that uh, Sam Bennett is a healthy scratch for this evening. Dominic Simone has checked in on the right side with Goudreau and Monaghan. No other lineup changes for the Calgary Flames. Uh aside from Jacob Markstrom getting the call between the pipes today. Uh, So with all that in mind, uh, I wonder what we're going to talk about as we now welcome in Peter Labardius. 
Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Well, Mr. Lubardius, I I understand uh, our our time together may be short today, so let's get right to it. Uh, Sam Bennett not in the lineup for the Calgary Flames today. This has sent uh, the internet quite a flutter. What's your reaction uh, to number 93 watching the game from the press box tonight? Well, I guess I'm surprised to a certain extent um, in this developing situation since Darren Ferris and the agent made it relatively clear that you know, their side was not overly pleased. I don't think we can be completely shocked. You know, Sam has responded pretty well, certainly the last couple of games and in the game that the news broke on Saturday against Montreal. But, you know, now it's it's really an hour-by-hour scenario where we try to follow it the best that we can. And we have to understand that, you know, these situations – you can't always, you know, unveil absolutely everything in, until certain business is done and until certain sides are okay. So, um, you know, it's not an easy one necessarily always to make sense of. But the way I would put it is this. When, when this starts to happen, you know, you wonder what, the next chapter will be and what led to, you know, this decision today. And, and it does make you wonder if, if Sam's time potentially, and, and I mean, you know, that's, that's a word that I need to repeat potentially, you know, could his time be coming to an end. And mm-hmm. this is why I don't like the speculation or, you know, business because you just, you flat out do not and that that does make these conversations tricky because uh, I, I was saying before, like he, he has been playing better, I thought, but I, I don't know if his play has been so good that it, it is impossible to fathom uh, having him not play for a game. But just specifically in the last couple, since the word came out of, of a trade request, how how do you feel Sam Bennett has responded on the ice in the last couple of games? I think he's responded just fine. I, I would say that, you know, the game two days ago probably wasn't to the same level that we saw Saturday and again on Monday when the Flames won the game against the Jets. I would certainly say that, you know, there might have been a bit of a, a drop-off in the game on Tuesday, but certainly Sam, you know, wasn't alone in that particular vein. So, uh, He's been fine. You know, he's been fine. Mm-hmm. He had some time, as we know, the other night with Monahan and Gaudreau and, and provided, you know, a spark and some physicality in the third period when the Flames were, you know, got to their game and were really at their best. So, you know, it, it'll be up to, to everybody to, you know, speculate, and, and that's part of the business that, you know, we're in in sports talk radio. You, you can't avoid it. You, you can't um, not talk about it. But I can't go much deeper because I don't have any more details. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the tricky part. Like, there, there, does, there does kind of seem to be a, a finality in all of this, but it could just legitimately be 
and we just haven't liked his last couple of games, so we're sitting him. Then um, it, it would look kind of silly if, oh well, he's going to the Canucks, he's going to Minnesota, he's going, uh, or he's back in the lineup the next game. Um, so it, it does become a, a tricky situation. On the other end of it, uh, Dominic Simone checks back into the lineup for the Flames for the first time in a couple of games. What are you expecting to see from him as he gets the assignment at least to start with Gaudreau and Monahan? Well, he'll be energized. He's only played in five of the nine games. He's averaged 10 minutes and 25 seconds in those games. Um, You know, he's still learning the new system. He's been moved around. He's been in and out. And when he's at his best, he he plays with speed. He gets in on the flirt deck. Um, You know, he's shown in the past in his time in Pittsburgh that he can be quite capable of, of playing in these types of roles, in these types of situations. But again, Peter, he's been a hard guy to evaluate just because we haven't seen a whole lot of them. And, you know, the Flames, as everybody knows, has made lots of additions. Um, I've seen some good stretches of play for sure. You know, some games have been better than others. I don't think there's any question than that, but, you know, has he really truly been an impact maker in any of those games? I, I would suggest not. However, I never really came away from any of the games that Dominic Simone played in either and said that, you know, you have to for sure, you know, take this guy out of the lineup. So it's another opportunity for him. And, you know, with everything brewing, who knows what type of an opportunity it might be and how long it even lasts in terms of how it begins. Mm-hmm. No, and that is another one of the, the dominoes, I guess, that, that comes from all, all of the discussions going around today. And it's kind of something we looked at at the beginning of the season, and we kind of knew, like, this is going to be a different lineup for the Flames and probably going to be a different lineup on a consistent basis just based on the fact you have 13 guys for 12 spots. And to, to your point, it's been tricky to get a read on some of them, but I don't know how many of, of the guys Klein? who are in... Yep. Mr. Klein, I, I hate to do this to you. I'll get right back to you guys in four or five minutes, but the coach is calling for the coach's show, so I'm going to jump away and come back in a few, okay? All right, sounds good. Uh, yes, uh, Jeff Ward absolutely takes precedence there. Um, so, yes, there you go. There is uh, Peter Labardius. Uh, just for uh, the sake of closure logo, um, this is obviously a lot going on right now, so we'll see if we can reconnect. I was going to say we can play the tag now, but let's we'll, we'll see if we can reconnect with, with Peter Labardius a little bit later. As it, there's a lot going on around the Calgary Flames today, um, and Jeff Ward, a, a few different scenarios that he has to work his way through. The big news, if you are just joining us, Sam Bennett, a healthy scratch for the Calgary Flames today with trade speculation around him. This obviously becomes an interesting story. A couple of texts at nine six zero. Nine six zero. Um, sorry, it's tough. To, the text line's being really weird lately. It's breaking everyone's texts up into like nine, and it's tough. To, yeah, it's, to it's not giving us a paragraph. It's giving us four separate sentences that right. cut off at stupid points. I don't like it. Yeah, cut off mid word. Like there, there's one text that I'm just seeing on the thing that says "ood for room, regardless if Bennett stays or goes." Look, that's a, a controversial thought, opinion, but... but I don't think that we need <laughs> yeah. to. Uh, I apologize. Use that sort of language here. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, 
but this text, again, in uh, four parts on our text line, let me start by saying I'm not a full-fledged Panic fan. You just left me more frustrated than anything. I think other guys have deserved a chance, but this healthy scratch reeks of desperation from a coach who is in way over his head. I don't take that. Um, I don't take this as that. I don't think this is a, a Jeff Ward being desperate or anything like that. And I am, again, I am not numb to coach um, criticism. I, I think that there have been some things that Jeff Ward has done that I have not agreed with, but there have been some things that he's done that I completely agree with. And again, coaching is not this team's biggest issue. We have seen a number of years with the same core and the same issues continue to pop up. The, the thing with Sam Bennett, and that this is going to be something, and this was always going to be something that played out throughout the year. And it's something we kind of touched on with Lou, and it's something I was about to get to with him, actually. But there is, a, or there are a group of players on this team who are in kind of like a bubble right above that healthy scratch line. And I, I don't think Sam Bennett has played his way out of that. And so to, to suggest that he's being benched as a desperation move, I just think he's being benched because he's one of five guys who's just in this spot where it could happen and it could be you. And again, there is a real world where that's just what played out here. Sam Bennett, I think, has been fine in the last couple of games, but I don't think it's, oh my God, how could you sit that guy? I wouldn't. But I think he is in that tier. And so I, I don't think this is a desperation move. I'm of the belief that this is a move because something else is pending. But I, I don't think Bennett has necessarily played his way entirely out of the healthy scratch conversation. The timing is just a little weird because he's coming off of one of his better games in the last one. And someone texted in saying, maybe try watching the game, suggesting that um, Bennett did not have a very good game in the last one. So... To each their own. And the Sam Bennett conversation is always going to be a complicated one for reasons uh, we have discussed previously. Couple of, uh, couple more texts, 960-960. Good afternoon, guys. So the chances that Sam is being traded probably high then? I hope so, because it's a huge distraction. It does kind of feel like that. But again, there are a number of different reports that are out there right now. And that, again, makes the, the speculation just run absolutely rampant. As you have some saying that this is the coach's decision, he is sitting Sam Bennett, you have others suggesting that this is trade-related. So it becomes a, a weird situation to break down from afar, and a, a difficult situation to, to really assess because there are so many moving parts. If this, was, if this was Nordstrom being a healthy scratch, we're maybe having a three-minute conversation about this with Lou, like it's probably a footnote. Um... And, and that's about it. The bottom line is there's a hockey game tonight. It is a five o'clock warm-up, six o'clock puck drop between the Flames and the Winnipeg Jets tonight. I don't believe we're seeing a number of changes from the Winnipeg side of things. I don't think they're making a trade today. So we, we will see how this one progresses throughout the afternoon. A couple more texts, 960-960. How do you bench Sam and not Lucic? Uh, Lucic has been by far the weakest. Sam looks like trade bait for sure. Uh, the Lucic one, this is where, and, and this was something I wanted to get to at some point, this is where the numbers and my eyeballs don't match. And I, I'm not entirely sure which one to believe because the numbers for, for Milan Lucic, the, the underlying ones, have actually been okay. Not groundbreaking or anything like that. They're not breaking the algorithms, but they, they've been fine. But then you see turnover after turnover leading to big opportunities and you start to question it. So 
I, I, I think Lucic is also in that tier of guys who you could healthy scratch. I do believe that his relationship with the coach kind of lends that to not happening. Um, and there's also a respect factor for Milan Lucic, a guy who has been around for so long, won Stanley Cups, locker room presence, those sorts of things. Those guys tend to get a little bit more leash than, say, a 24-year-old who has demanded a trade out of town. So I, I, I hear what you are saying on the Lucic one. I Because that fourth line has been a bit more effective the last few games, I'm willing to give that one a little bit more leash on this one. But there is a lot going on, and there are a lot of texts coming in about this rumor and that rumor and this one or the other one. That I'm not going to get into because we have no idea. Some people saying Bennett for, for Tannen. There was a report coming out of Vancouver today that the Canucks don't believe they have the assets to acquire a Sam Bennett, which on the one hand kind of gives you the eyeball emojis of, whoa, well, what are the assets that the Flames are looking for? But then you take a bit of a closer look at the, the Canucks organization and not necessarily an asset-rich franchise right now. And the, the Vertanen one, I think that's a bit of a case of be careful what you wish for. Maybe it's just the change of scenery, but Vertanen is prone to the same flows of inconsistency that Sam Bennett is. And I would suggest the, the ceiling isn't quite as high on Vertanen as it is for Sam Bennett. I think when we've seen both guys at their best, Sam Bennett is better. So I, I, if that ends up being the trade, then it's a change of scenery and maybe it works out. And Vertanen is another one of those guys who has a few tools that it's easy to fall in love with. But I, I, I would be filing that one into the be careful what you wish for. I, I don't, category. I don't even know the true, like, do you see him getting traded in division this year or to a, you know, a, a rival? I sure as hell don't. There's plenty of those texts. And like you said, I'm not getting into them because I'm not fueling random Twitter ones. But stop <laughs> and think for a minute. You know, if if the fans and you guys even think that there's anything left in the Sam Bennett tank that he could potentially be a thing like that, do you think Trilliving is trading him to a, a close ally that you're going to see 10 times this year? Uh, a rival, I should say. I don't think so. It makes it, a, it is an interesting conversation though, because on the one hand, no, you don't want to see Sam Bennett. If he is playoff Sam Bennett, you probably don't want to see that guy 10 times. But also if the, the package from the Canucks or the Leafs is the best one, then I think you kind of have to take it. And also if you're looking on getting something back and if you're doing the Vertanen trade, you're getting a player back. If you are getting the equivalent from Minnesota, that dude's got to sit and wait for two weeks. And so that makes it almost a little easier to trade in division. But I do hear what you're saying. Seeing a guy who you just traded 10 times, ask the Canucks how that feels with Tyler DeFoley, because that has not gone well so far. Uh, Tyler DeFoley is going to win the, the Rocket Richard Trophy if he keeps playing the, the Canucks. Uh, we welcome Peter Labardius back to the program. Um, Lou, uh, again, <laughs> it, it is quite the day um, here. As yeah. far as I know, nothing has changed in the last five minutes. And no. I, I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, but... With this situation, it could change that quickly. Um, I, I do want to pivot off of the, the Bennett thing for just Absolutely. a moment. Uh, because it's going to get covered today. Uh, but this is the third time in a row that the Flames are playing the Winnipeg Jets. And we know Calgary is making at least one adjustment. Uh, but as you look at this one, we've now seen um, 120 minutes of hockey. Actually, 125 with one of the games going to overtime what are some of the matchups that you are looking for now that we have quite a bit of tape between these two sides? Well, it's been interesting when you break it down, Peter. So, you know, Paul Maurice understand that he has the last change and there's been not exclusive. It hasn't been hard matching by Paul and, and Jeff 
hasn't necessarily, you know, hard matched when he's had a chance or, you know, you're always trying to dictate in these situations, but there's been a lot of Shifley against Monaghan. That's, that's been pretty prevalent. And, you know, through the last two games in particular, I don't think there's any question that Sean and his group won the matchup on Monday and then Shifley and company came back in the next game. And and again, it wasn't like, you know, they were completely dominant, but I thought their overall 200 foot game um, from start to finish and how responsible. And of course you defend, you know, in groups of five, you might say that they had a bit of an edge. You know, we've seen a lot of the Lindholm group go up against Adam Lowry, and, you know, there's been great stretches for both. And, you know, the other groups have been, you know, battling against Stastny. And, you know, in the game on Tuesday with Wheeler and Kyle Connor, they were in the 14-minute range, which which is very much down for them. And then in the case of, you know, Michael and, and part of it came in a shorthanded situation, but, you know, Michael was minus two in the game and plus minus isn't everything. The, the one interesting guy though, when I look at the two teams and, and Paul Maurice um, made a pretty significant move. Andrew Kopp is the one jet who maybe has impressed me more than at any time. And he played 23-plus minutes in the last game. In fact, the two games against the Flames since he found himself with Shifley and Ehlers have been the two highest-minute played games for him so far in his National Hockey League career. And what he gives that group is not only someone who already this season has four goals and ten points – But he really, and Paul Maurice talked about it in his availability today, you know, the defensive consciousness, I'm not even sure if that's a proper term, and I apologize, and a little out of sorts with with everything that's gone on today, jumping back and forth between calls. But, you know, he is a player that at 26 years of age, you know, I think has really come into his own. And, you know, when you take a look at the Jets, and they're about to change, obviously, when Pierre-Luc Dubois gets inserted. And I hear that we're going to have a chance with, at least for me, my own two eyes, to maybe see him make his Jets debut in Calgary next Tuesday. And that's going to change things again. But, you know, for a group that has been scuffling itself with its forwards and having, you know, all of your lines going all at once, you know, cop cop to me has been an absolute standout and and I think you know Mark Shifley had been talked about in terms of you know he played 26 plus minutes against the Flames opening night and then you know like so many other teams Peter you're you're trying to find it but promoting cop into that spot has I think made a real difference for Paul Maurice who you know, is trying to, you know, solidify his team's lineup in its own right and and get to a better place and provide more consistency. So those those are the matchups. As far as how the game is going to be played tonight, and, you know, our, our good friend Mr. Sarge does such a great job on the, on the technical side of things, but 
thought about it a lot, even in the last two games, and had a chance to chat with Jeff about it just moments ago. And, and the area I asked him about again, and you won't be surprised, Peter, was was the neutral zone. And that was an area two nights ago that, you know, frankly, I, I don't think he was completely pleased with. And, you know, from a defensive standpoint, um, you know, he felt like they're tracking um, when they didn't have the puck in the middle of the ice. There were just for him and the coaching staff, you know, more misreads than, than he would have liked, which, you know, puts you in some trouble. And as I chatted with a couple of people this morning, if you watch how the Jets go about their business, you know, you have people like Ehlers and Connor, not to mention Shifley, and, and when those wingers, especially a guy like Ehlers and Connor, can get to the middle of the ice, um, you know, accepting the puck in their own zone, when they can create space and get to the middle, you know, that's what Peter really backs off your defense. And the Jets are also, you know, look for it tonight as well. If they don't have anything in the middle of the ice, they are really good at, you know, rimming the puck behind the net to, you know, have the weak side forward or the weak side D jump up to kind of pinch and then put you in some trouble. So the neutral zone, and then with the puck, which we've seen the Montreal Canadiens and I feel like the Jets, you know, really absolutely take time, space away. And Jeff's talked many times now about, you know, how you use the ice, either in front of you or behind you. And so when you watch play in between the blue lines, when you have the puck, the perfect scenario, and I've been told this by many a coach over the years, when, when you, we talk about being connected. So when a team is really, you know, at its best in all three zones, what you could do, Peter, is you could take out your phone and you could take a picture, and you could generally find all five guys in the picture. Well, you don't necessarily always need to find all five guys in the picture, but what you don't want, you know, when you have it or when you don't have it in the middle of the ice, is you better not be outmanned in there like two to one or three to one. So look tonight for, you know, you need more puck support in the middle of the ice. Because haven't you found in a number of different situations, you know, when you get stretched out and you're by yourself, well, the other group just stands up at the line. They really know that you don't have very much. So even if you don't turn it over and you can dump it in behind them, that's a good thing because at least they have to go ahead and play 200 feet. But what do you think your chances are of getting it back if you don't come through the middle of the ice with some with speed and support? It really limits you, doesn't it? And and that's why mm-hmm. what what gets created is one and dones, where you'll find you know, and that happened I thought a lot in the first period the other night, where you get it to the middle, and even when you get it into the zone because you're not supporting it and you're not sending it to speed, well, you know, the other team more often than not takes it, makes one pass, and you know now they're coming back at you, so. Those are some of the things, both matchup-wise and in the context of the game, to look for tonight. 
Awesome breakdown there, Lou. Really, really like that a lot. Uh, we, we are going to, to put a halt to this one today. No, it's, all uh, good. Pre- it's all good. Pretty, pretty standard conversation, I think. Real, real normal one. Um, I can't imagine what we're going to have to talk about tomorrow, but uh, part of it will be from a mailbag. Uh, Lou, thanks as always, sir. How about sir. in half an hour from now? How is that going to work? Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do next segment. So that's the, the joy of live radio. <laughs> all right, see you, Lou. Have a good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for your patience today. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Okay, so more Flames talk on the other side. Either uh, Sam Bennett will be traded during the break and we will break that down, or... Flames goalie talk. David Reddick's performance from Tuesday night has been in the spotlight. What did goalie expert Kevin Woodley see? We will find that out coming up next. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. An interesting day in Flames land as we get ready for the Flames and the Jets tonight. 5 o'clock warm-up, 6 o'clock puck drop on Sportsnet 960. The fan, the big news of the day, Sam Bennett, a healthy scratch leading to a lot of speculation about his future with the Calgary Flames as uh, trade request surfaced this week. Still nothing official on that. If something breaks in the next little bit, we will for sure let you know. Um, but between now and then, the goaltending position, very much in the spotlight for the Flames to start this season. David Red getting a lot of scrutiny for his performance in the the Flames' most recent game. Kevin Woodley and Ryan Pinder discussed that, plus the Olympics a year away for uh, the winter athletes. Some Canadian goalie talk in here as well. So a lot to cover with Kevin Woodley today. Kevin Woodley of In Goal Magazine and NHL.com. Happy Thursday morning, Kev. How are you? I'm good. Yourself? Game days are always the best days. Yeah, you know what? Good to chat with you. I always love that you've got lots uh, on your mind before our chats. You sent me a big list last night of things we could talk about. I'm like, yes, this is all amazing. Love it. People really enjoying our chats on the station. Lots of great feedback. Uh, but we, we're going to go ad-lib today as these new protocols that Elliot Friedman's reporting, uh, they're significant. The glass behind the bench removed, uh, lockers distanced. But maybe the most significant, players and coaches will not be allowed to be at the rink earlier than an hour and 45 minutes before the game which is insanely early for some nhl players routines and they are creatures of habit thoughts well i mean goaltenders especially right and so hour 45 sounds like a lot of time but let's not forget they hit the ice for their warm-up skate 30 minutes before puck drop sometimes a little bit more so um, you know, you're, you're talking about basically an hour and 15 minutes for an NHL goaltender to get ready for a game. And there are some that are going to be like, yeah, no big deal. But there are others who I've seen show up at the rink over three hours before puck drop that are going to have to make some adjustments. And, you know, we've seen, you know, it always ends up on the, on, especially in the playoffs, you know, a camera will catch a glimpse of a goaltender doing something that looks a little peculiar, uh, whether it's a Braden Holpe or Connor Hellebuck, you know, the eye drills, they're on the bench, they're holding a the stick, their eyes are darting back and forth, they instantly become a meme. Um, that type of work, you know, like they're not just out there, you know, trying to, trying to, trying to make sure they give some B-roll for everyone, they're, they're warming up their eyes, most important muscle uh, in the body for a goaltender, according to Braden Holpe. And a lot of the routines around that, um, the juggling, the dynamic stretching and warm-ups that they do, for a lot of these guys, it's like clockwork 
system. I do this at this time. I do that at this time. Right up to the minute, you know, when I start getting changed and, and get ready to put on my gear, how long it takes, the order I put it on before I get on the ice. And like I said, there's a lot of guys this is going to be no big deal. But for some guys where that routine is longer than that hour 15 is going to give them, they're going to have to make an adjustment. And what's going to be really interesting, and nobody's going to admit this, is you know, a lot of guys will tell you, I'm not worried about my routine because it's just that. It's a routine. It's not a superstition. It doesn't control me. If I can't do it the way I normally do it, I know it's not going to affect how I play, which is really easy to say but a lot harder to do if you've been doing it for a long time, a very specific way. And now you have to adjust that clock. Yeah. Um, don't want to overstate it because you know, maybe this becomes no big deal. Maybe a lot of guys who thought they needed two hours and 15 minutes or, you know, an hour 45 can get it done in an hour 15. Uh, and, and they realize that they're right. It doesn't control them, but there might be a few that realize the other way or let it get in their heads that, ah, man, like rough night tonight. I couldn't do my routine. It's got to be related to that. Now, how do I adjust? Do I have to start part of my routine at home, get in the car, drive to the rink and then go from there? It's, it's going to be fascinating. And it's going to be one of those ones that, like I said, like, no one's going to want to cop to it. No one's going to want to be one of the guys that's like, yeah, this is really messing me up. Um, but I guarantee you there will be a few that have struggles adjusting to this. Well, it's funny. It reminds me of a conversation a couple of years ago we had, or maybe it was even in the off season before Roberto Luongo's retirement. You had noted how long he needed to get warm just for pregame skates, for game day skates, and then to go through that entire process again once he got back to the rink for game time. Uh, maybe remind us of, of that process. There's no way he was getting that done an hour and 15 minutes before warm-up. Yeah, that's a really good point. i got to be honest, Ryan, without looking it up, top of my head, I can't remember what that window was, but I want to say it's, it's well over an hour. Now, the one thing there is, for Roberto, that, wasn't, that really was about sort of post-hip surgery for him. Like up until the hip surgery had, I think, two, three years left in his career, uh, he was a guy that would just show up at the rink, have a cup of coffee, do a little light stretching and get ready to go. There were no you know, fancy eye routines or juggling or anything like that. He had a dynamic warm-up, cup of coffee, and, and out we go, particularly one night in Anaheim, maybe too many cups of coffee. Um, and so I don't think he would have been affected until the hip surgery. And for him it was about all the work he had to do to get that hip ready to play without risking injury. And so in that case, as Elliot Friedman has reported, there will be medical exemptions. I would imagine that Roberto would be one that fits into that medical exemption. But, you know, like a guy like Kiprasov, who, again, like not a guy who I would have imagined needed all kinds of eye warm-ups or, you know, juggling or routines like that. I didn't know his routine specifically. But I do know that he stretched before every morning skate, after every morning skate, before every game and after every game for 45 minutes. So when you think about only having an hour 15, and most guys probably taking 5 to 10 minutes, maybe even 15 to put on their gear, if you have a 45-minute stretching routine, that, that doesn't leave you with a lot of extra time if, there, if there's other work you want to get done sure uh let's stay with luongo because his name came up uh, he's been added to the team canada executive for the men's olympic squad that we're hoping will be a go next winter in beijing it's olympic size ice and the players and league are committed to having the best players in the world at the olympics it doesn't mean it's a slam dunk given the uncertainty of the world today but what about 
Roberto's inclusion on that executive? No, and I normally, I'd be honest, when it first came out yesterday, I, I kind of, I just saw it as, you know, because he, he's in management now as much as the headlines are about, you know, the, the goaltending excellence department in Florida. He's in management as a sort of, you know, in that uh, advisor to the GM role. I'm not quite an assistant GM, but that type of job. So, you know, I, I thought of him just being another voice in that brain trust, and we've heard, you know, in Olympics past how it works. They're all sort of given assignments to break down, you know, specific regions, specific teams, um, present why they think certain guys will fit uh, on this team and, and be part of group discussions that start to whittle away at the roster, big, long group discussions. Now, but, but thinking about it more and seeing some of the reporting on it in the hours that followed, that makes total sense in terms of bringing a goaltender voice to this mix. And don't forget, like in the past, and this will be interesting to me, like Hockey Canada hasn't really had, they have these, these really complex coaching staffs, but if you look back at the history of it, rarely has it formally included a goaltending coach. And it was always one of those things that I wondered about, you know, even when they go over to world championship, like you take three, you don't take a goaltending coach. Who's, you know, like that third guy who never gets to play, like who's at least making sure he's engaged in practice? Who's giving him goalie-specific drills? Who's doing that work? And, you know, quite often the answer is nobody. The goalies are left on their own. Uh, I wonder if with Roberto included, if you'll see a push towards maybe having a goaltending coach be a part of this. Again, not that you're going to, in a short-form tournament, change Carey Price's style. Like, hey, Carey, I want you to play on your post different. Um, but certainly making sure part of the pre-scout uh, doing that work making sure that you're, you know, you're, they're getting taken care of in practice. And, you know, Roberto's expertise in terms of how a goaltender, you know, evaluating the goaltenders on the list for Canada for this tournament, but also maybe taking a look at how a goaltender fits a system. Like, which way is Canada going to play? Are we going to take the collection of talent that we're able to amass and go like we have in past years, shut down defensive hockey, and that tr- just trust that, you know, if if everything is shut down, all we need is a couple of chances given the talent to win games one nothing, two nothing, and that's you know, let's be honest, that's the way the last couple of gold medals have been won. You know, especially with Mike Babcock as the head coach. And if you're going to play that way, you might want to have a goaltender who's a little bit used to it. You know, it's horses for courses in golf, right? I, I do believe that certain systems and certain styles fit certain goaltenders better. And having a guy with the experience that Roberto has between the pipes will allow you to, I believe, to better evaluate those types of factors as you, as a, as a group, as a management group, and, and get into hiring your coaches and figure out how you want to play. And, you know, Price probably has shown that he can handle it both ways, um, but it's a conversation that becomes more interesting as you get into, you know, who plays behind them. Is it a Carter Hart? Is it a Mackenzie Blackwood? Jordan Bennington? There are, those are the sort of four names that would be at the top of my list at this point. And, you know, some of them play behind different styles and different teams. Like Darcy Kemper uh, is a name that would be on that list if you're going to crank it down and play shutdown hockey because he's had success behind that system in Arizona. Yeah. But if you're going to open it up, play a little more high-octane trade chances type of hockey – um, you know, I would argue he hasn't been behind that in, in Arizona. And some of the numbers we see that put him in Vesna Trophy conversations uh, are, you know, probably affected positively in his direction because of his defensive environment. Sure. But I'm not sure they would repeat in a looser environment. So if you're going to loosen things up and go run and gun and trade odd man chances, does that scratch him off your list? Those are the types of things where Roberto's going to have more expertise than some of the others in terms of making those evaluations. Uh, with the caveat being that things changed quickly and that two years ago many of our listeners didn't know who Jordan Bennington was, 
um, as he was just recalled and the team was in last place. Right. Who are the uh, inside track net miners for Team Canada? I'm seeing a lot of Price Hart Bennington as the as the trio. Uh, you mentioned Kemper. Is there anyone else? And it, it isn't as deep a, a pool as it has been in years past where there'd be some years I think you could probably have a list of six, eight guys to pick from. I don't know that there's that many that are in contention here. Well, they have. I remember the, you know, remember in 2010, the the sort of long list, like that It was really, it was a really long list of goaltenders that were sort of on track early. Uh, the name for sure at this point that I would add to that, and I think he gets overlooked a, a bit, is Mackenzie Blackwood. Um, you know, especially in comparison to Hart. I, listen, I love the way Carter Hart plays. Uh, I think there are direct comparisons to be made to his idol, Carey Price, in terms of style. Uh, there's a new layer of efficiency in goaltending in terms of movement and arriving set and square and patient, and, and it looks sometimes a little less frenetic, but also sometimes it almost looks slower, but it's faster, and Carter Hart's at the forefront of it. So he checks a lot of boxes for me. But the truth is, at a time when his name is you know first out of the lips of people for these types of things, Mackenzie Blackwood has had almost the same success in New Jersey behind a much, well, actually, Hart system's pretty loose in Philly, but both have had success in tough defensive environments at very young ages. And so I, I think Blackwood gets overlooked in this a little bit, and I know Devils fans certainly feel that way. He would definitely be a part of my short list. Um, you know, I've had a few people that have, you know, goalies that have played with him, been on the ice with him, worked with him that told me a couple of years ago, like, this kid's going to be a top echelon goaltender in the NHL. Not just a good goaltender, but, like, top five type guy. And he's certainly shown that in the past couple of years. He's shown enough signs of it that he warrants being on these lists. Yeah, and so Price and Bennington, no quibbling there in terms of the, the guys you'd want in an elimination game right now. And, and the third role is certainly you, you want to bring a young guy, whether they play or not, you, you want to be able to pass on the legacy and experience of the games, right? Yeah, I know, and hey, you, you, like, I mean, everything can change, but you want to know, like, out of Canada's goaltenders, as much as we default to price, you want to know who's played the best right now um, this season, and very small sample size, and in part because of COVID, as is Blackwoods. Don't say James Rahm. Marc-Andre Fleury. Okay, Fleury, yeah. Marc-Andre Fleury, and statistically, um, you know, since arriving in Vegas, has been you know, a top five guy last year wasn't his best, but the first couple of years in Vegas, like he was a top two or three. When you looked at some of the adjusted numbers that I have access to through ClearSight analytics, like he was that good. And if you are going to open it up and you need a guy with experience and you needed a guy who can play East West, even at his age, there are few faster than Marc-Andre Fleury. So again, another name that I don't think goes on top of the list in comparison to price. And yet, if you look at their most recent seasons, there's an argument to be made. Quite the stable the Swedes could have. Markstrom, Lenner, and maybe Olmark as a third, someone like that. That's uh, that's not shabby at all. What have you made of the, uh, I guess, now bigger body of work, a larger sample size of Jacob Markstrom as a flame? Well, I think last time we talked, he was just coming off uh, like a, a down game, for lack of a better term, like not his best game, and it had sort of dropped him temporarily out of that sort of top echelon, uh, statistically at least. And again, I'm looking at the adjusted numbers when we really account for, for shot quality. And here we are a week later, and he's right back in there. Adjusted save percentage in the top 10, and there's some numbers in there that we know are going to be outliers. Uh, but in terms of goal saved, when you add sort of your performance per shot in terms of save percentage to total workload, you know, he's right back in the top five, which is where he's been for the last couple of seasons and where, you know, I think a lot of people predicted him to be um, this year. So 
kind of, you know, to be expected, I guess, is what I would say with Jacob Markstrom. Like, this is what we expected. Uh, we thought he was going to be a good fit there. Even when you break down some of the numbers uh, in terms of, you know, the different types of shots and some of the things that I talked about when they signed him, things that he has had success against, um, they've translated. Only one low percentage goal against this year. And, and you know, I know we quibbled over that last, last week. It was the Wayne Simmons goal. It was more about the rebound he gave up than the chance that was deposited afterwards. But, you know, beyond that, he's, you know, he's kind of tracking to be the guy that he was for the past two years. And that's really good news if you're Calgary Flames fans. I, the one note that, that I think, you know, and we talked about this too, is, you know, that the off nights, the nights where it doesn't look as good, whether statistically or eye test, tend to be the ones where it's a 21-shot night. I mean, what you yeah. pump 37 at him. When he's busy, he's at his best. And he didn't get a lot of nights in Vancouver where he wasn't busy, so it was really hard to say, you know, he's not a good goalie when he's not busy. And I don't think that's fair, because I don't think there's been enough of those nights. But certainly there were signs on the few nights here that he got a little overactive. As much as I've said he's always going to look like an active goaltender, and that's not a bad thing, it's a very fine line. And on some of those low shot nights, he can get a little overactive, and that leads to you know not set, not square on shots like the the one that led to the Simmons goal. I'd love to ask you about the numbers, but it's probably not fair given the sample size and how poorly the team played in front of him in Montreal last Thursday. But um, what have you seen from David Riddick, who, uh, by the way, a little context, his last three games in the NHL, he was uh, dropped into that disaster game six against Dallas where Talbot got the hook after blowing a three-goal lead. Uh, that's not a fair spot to put a cold goalie. Uh, then it was the worst effort of the season, in my mind, for the Flames in Montreal last Thursday. And uh, the other night he allowed uh, two power play goals early. But uh, I, I closed the door of the Final 40. I don't know what to make of it, and I, I feel for the guy because it, it hasn't really been the type of circumstance you want to put a goalie in. Uh, three very flawed efforts and environments, I guess. Yeah, and, and and that's going to be the job, though, right? That's what you have to embrace, you know, I mean, as the backup goaltender. You're going to get put in some tough spots. Um, doesn't excuse the performance in front of him, but, but you can't look for excuses. That said, when you look at the overall numbers, you're right. He's down. Um, but we can, you know, I can pull up his screen, his pre-scout on ClearSight Analytics, and really go not just goal by goal, but shot by shot. And when I look at the goals that have gone in, there's only been one quote-unquote low percentage goal, and I think we can probably all guess on that one. It was the Forbert goal, which, yeah. by the way, yeah. he was guessing on. You could see it. Went early yeah, on was. the release, and you know, maybe Derek, you know, it's one of those ones where I'd like to ask, you know, if, this was, if this was a usual year, um, where you're in the locker rooms, and I was, you know, I was part of the Flames beat. You would sneak in and ask Derek Forbort when when the scrum had broken up if he missed. Like it was that the intent? Because everything about his blade angle looked like he was going to Riddich's right. Riddich started to go early to his right, anticipating that, and Forbort flicks open the blade at the last second and sends it back the other way. So that's a skill play. And maybe he's got that in his resume and it off an open look because time and space, right? We've seen it in practices. If you give a guy the amount of time and space he had, these guys are all highly skilled. So he changed the angle. At the same time, it's a play across the ice where Riddich has enough time to set and square, and it's a save you need your NHL goaltender to make. So, yeah. um, But other than that for David Riddich, it's all been high percentage chances, all ones where you sort of sometimes you got to tip your hat, whether it's, 
Um, defensive breakdowns, breakaways, you know, the one on Weber where his own defenseman tips it back through him as he's reacting to a shot that's clearly going wide. Like, you could argue in that case, you like the fact that on a one tee from Shea Weber at the top of the circles, Riddish is actually tracking that puck well enough that he's reacting to it outside and it gets tipped back through him. A lot of guys are coming across on a Weber one-timer and just like closing the holes and getting set and hoping it hits him. So that's actually a positive sign that he was reacting to it. Didn't go well because of his own defenseman's tip. But I gotta be honest with you, I look at these numbers. um, They're, they're not alarming. They're not that bad. They are tough situations and he's given up goals that you, like I said, you tip your cap a little bit. Now, the one interesting thing is, because all those goals are sort of the high percentage shots, that's the one thing that's maybe missing. Um, big save Dave, right? Like yeah, it became true. a nickname, but when I look back over his career to date, there's a reason for it. He has, has been up until this point, one of the best goalies in the NHL, fifth best in fact, at stopping high percentage shots at an above expected rate. And so when we see these goes in, go in, I don't think it's cause for panic, especially because he's only played three games in, what, 10 months now? Eleven That's and a half, yeah. <laughs> Something like that. But, it's crazy, yeah. Yeah, but, but high percentage shots, he's fifth worst in the league right now in high percentage shots against expected, and he was fifth best before. So your question is, is that true talent, and it will rise back to where it was before with a little more rhythm, a little more timing, a little more experience, or is that a number where you're like, he was at an unsustainable level and there's going to be a regression? I think either way you're not worried about him. You'd like them to find him a little more playing time, maybe in a situation that isn't as bad, but when I break down the numbers, it's not as bad as maybe the raw numbers might look to people right now. Totally unrelated note, Flames will play Ottawa four times in five games late February, early March. Hmm. There is uh, a get-right ticket right there. <laughs> is it not the get-right sends? My goodness. Thanks for the chat. Always appreciate it. All the best. Enjoy the weekend. Perfect. Thanks. Kevin Woodley, In Goal Magazine. Ryan Pinder, Sports of 960 The Fan. Uh, there's that conversation from earlier today. I'm Peter Klein at home. Logan Gordon, our producer in the Iconic Studio, powered by Iconic Electric and controls diversity. It's Iconic. Contact them today at IconicEC.ca. The Sam Bennett situation continues to get a lot of discussion on social media. We will take that conversation onto the airwaves. Sam Bennett, a healthy scratch. What does it all mean? Myself, Will Nault, Logan Gordon. Discuss next.